All right. Well, we've had a, a little illustration of my lesson today already in our opening exercise. Chris had us sing, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Uh, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. And then, uh, and then we had a reading from Psalms, and uh, Psalms 146 and 7 ends with, The Lord looseth the prisoners, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord raises them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the righteous, the Lord preserveth the strangers, the Lord shall reign forever. And so, one song begins, the song in the hymn book, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then the hymnal says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. If we sing song, the song, the 299th hymn, if we sing that, I think it's important to read the little verses above it that often these hymns are introduced where uh, in Matthew 8, 19, it says, Master, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. He was saying that after he had been converted. Master. And uh, we're going to talk about how the good outweighs the bad. The psalm is the Lord-centered. And if we're not careful in, the, in our thinking when we sing 299, uh, then it becomes man-centered. If we sing hymn 299 with the idea that I am deciding to follow Jesus to become a Christian, then uh, we've gone astray right from the beginning. But if we, if we sing it like the verse, Master, I will follow thee. After we're saved, the Lord challenges us and maybe calls us to do a specific thing as he called me to the ministry. There has to be a willingness to do that. I've decided to follow you. And when we get to this idea of the, what the world believes, the idea, of course, of the, of the balance being, and that's uh, already off balance, <laughs> but the good outweighing the bad, that's a, that's a belief that's held by the majority of the world. If we go downtown and do some survey and say, do you believe that, you know, in the end that the good can outweigh the bad, uh, along with the idea that we're a good person, you're going to find that the majority of the people that you talk to, even if they're not uh, 
even if they even if they're atheists are going to say, yeah, I think that the good's going to outweigh the bad. And so today we're going to deal with that. I think a good text for us to read is in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, they're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery in their way, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God in their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. And so as I read that, verses 10 through 19, I say, man, where is this guy? He's a bad dude. And the scriptures are saying, uh, just take a look in the mirror. You'll see him. And so this idea of the good outweighing the bad is prominent. It's prominent in the thinking of the Western society. I don't know so much about Eastern philosophies, but I think most people believe that they're good people. But what's good in my eyes, as I compare people that I look at and what's good in God's eyes is what we're talking about. So the majority of the world thinks that they're basically good and that they're going to have an afterlife in a wonderful place. Uh, very few people you're going to ask if they consider themselves a good person are going to say uh, that they're not a good person. And that holds true for whether you're in the streets of Fairbanks or whether you're in Fairbanks Correctional Center, I'm a good person. You know, I just made a small mistake and that's why I'm here. Even, even those who have murdered people in FCC think that they're good persons. And uh, it's uh, displayed in this quote, in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart I simply can't build my hopes on a foundation consisting of confusion, misery, and death. And as I preached a couple of Wednesdays ago, uh, of course, uh, I told you that that was in Anne Frank's diary where she wrote that she still thinks people are good at heart as they were hauling off her family and friends that were Jewish to the concentration camps and uh, 
eventually that's where she went and was killed by people that basically are good at heart. Well, uh, that's not what the Bible says. And so this saying about good outweighing the bad is really a lie that is a prominent and like some of the other lies that we've noted, it's deadly. That philosophy will, will uh, destroy a person's life, his afterlife. Uh, and we have really uh, various shades of that idea that the good outweighs the bad uh, through uh, false Christianity today. You'll know that uh, Larry King interviewed Joel Osteen in an in a interview that has become infamous. Uh, Osteen repeated the phrase that when King would ask him and try to pin him down, he would say, I, well, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know, in response to, to King's little theological softball questions that he was throwing to him. Larry King made the comment, uh, you, don't call, you don't call them sinners, that is the people that he deals with and comes to his church. And King said, you don't call them sinners, question. And Joel Osteen says, I don't. Is that a word you don't use? And Joel Osteen said, I don't use it. I never thought about it, but I probably don't. But most people already know that they're doing wrong. And so Osteen, like many others, has uh, peddled this cheap grace idea. He doesn't see any value in talking about sin because uh, sinners already believe that they've done wrong. And even the people on the street will tell you, you know, I, I've done wrong, but we all do. I consider myself a, a, good, a good person. And there's no shortages today of pulpits that preach the, the good feeling religion and try to basically entertain people. There was a really popular book about 20 years ago uh, written by Rick Warren, The Person Driven Life. And he was being interviewed and, and uh, on many broadcasts. And when he discussed the sin and forgiveness, uh, he, 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 he keeps it to the very briefest that he can and uh, really doesn't uh, go very deep uh, what he said was, believe that no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. Well, that's true. Receive his forgiveness for your sins, but there's no attempt to explain uh, why, what sin is and how horrible it is or the need to turn from it. Uh, and th there's, no, there's no discussion of the fact that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That, uh, that 
people, people want to, uh, they want to come and say, you know, what do, what do I need to do to be uh, accepted with the Lord? What, what do I need to do? What, what do I, what do, what's necessary for me to become a Christian? What am I still lacking? I know that there's still a longing in my heart, but what is lacking? What, are, what do I need to do? And the, and the basic answer to that is, you can't do anything. For your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You're going to have to come to the place that you just cling to the Lord and say, Lord, save me. It's like a, a drowning person going down to realize that this, all, this, all this good works and bad works deal, I'm, I'm sinking. And we cry out, save me! Because uh, we don't have the ability to save ourselves. We, you know, what must I do? Uh, we find that in the Bible. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they didn't say, well, you need to make sure you read your Bible, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. But the, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Quit working. Put your faith in Him. And people say, well, there's no repentance there. But when He came in, He came in shaking, and He fell down at their knees and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so, though we see no word of repentance there, we see contrition in His actions. And so, this idea, you know, that, I mean, I think one of the communist leaders, whether it was Lenin, I'm not sure, but they said that the religion is the opium of the people. And you know what? He's absolutely right. 100% right. Because we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a person who is a sinner, whose heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, that is without value to God, that, that he has no merit with God, that he's condemned already, that he's without excuse, and uh, he needs to repent and believe. In Psalms 30, 53, he said, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men. And so we get the ultimate authority here. And he's looking down to see if there was any that did understand, that did seek God. And every one of them has gone back. They're all together, not just partly, but all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. But in Warren's, there's no attempt. He would seem to, to talk about repentance, but they just need to receive the Lord. It would seem like uh, modern evangelism doesn't really paint sin as a serious thing. And it's no wonder that many people profess Christ and go away unchanged. And so, why is 
why is this balanced beam idea a lie? Well, there's a couple of really major reasons in the Bible. And the first thing is, <coughs> he has, if this is the good side and this is the bad side, he has absolutely, there, there is no, before salvation, there is no, there's no good to put on the, on the balance beam. There's no good. There's no, nothing that he can, he can give to the Lord. Um, and we're not talking about a relationship that lost people can't do good things in the minds of men or even good things that what God would say that's good, but the motive behind it is wrong. But we're talking about to merit with God and to have, uh, remember, remember that <laughs> there is a wage, there is a wage that has to be paid. The wages of sin is death. Go with me to, these are familiar verses, but they ought to be familiar. In Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah chapter 64. And look at verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, morally and physically. And all our righteousnesses, all of them together, righteousnesses, or as filthy rags. And shortly, I, I notice, I don't know why, maybe because of the heat, but I've noticed some plants, leaves turning yellow. We absolutely know that they're going to fade and fall off the tree and become nature's compost. And he says that's, that's the history of mankind. We do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. The wind blows, and just, there it goes. Just another place that talks about like, it's sh like we're shaft from the winnowing of grain. We spoke about whether we eat or drink, we ought, ought to all be to the glory of God. And even the efforts of unbelievers to seem to conform to God's commandments is for their own glory. Look over in uh, Romans 14.
And he that doubteth is damned if he eat. He's talking about eating of meat and whether that was right or not because he eateth not of faith. But it gives us a little phrase here that applies to much more than eating of flesh offered to idols. It's a principle of life. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so the, the first thing that this balance beam is that we have, we have nothing to lift up and put on the beam in a positive, in a positive sense. There's no, there's no uh, good deeds. And, uh, and <laughs> that's, uh, when we're talking to our friends and we're talking to our family, uh, you see, we want to, we want to jump over this, this, and we want to get to the good news, and we want to say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I say, oh, that's nice. I'm glad he loves me, but you know, my car runs good. My rifle shoots straight. My four-wheeler's running. I got a wife that takes care of me and still loves me with all my faults. My life's, my life's okay. I'm glad that God's cooperating, helping out here. And so he loves me and has a wonderful plan for, for my life. Well, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad for that. Well, you see, uh, we've uh, jumped the gun. Because he needs to, uh, until, uh, until, he sees his need, he won't need the Savior. And uh, the understanding has got to be that, that he's incapable of uh, anything noble or good. This is a combination the light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh he to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And so, uh, one of the things you see here uh, that, well, let's go to, let's slow down here a little bit. Go to John chapter 3. And that's, that's a, I challenge you sometime to just to present the gospel message by staying in John chapter 3. Instead of saying, well, Romans 3.23 says this, and then Romans 6.23 says this, and you jump all around the Bible. I mean, verses are verses, and they're God's verses, and they're powerful. But there's a lot said here in John 3 that's just inconsistent with the story. But it says in verse 19, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men know that the light is in the world. You can't ignore light. But they love the darkness. 
For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That uh, mankind hates the gospel light. Because uh, I don't want you to be pointing out my evil deeds. God said that God saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look in, look in the Romans chapter 1. And I want you to, I'm going to emphasize some words here, very important words. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and 18. Romans 1 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. What does it mean to reveal something? To let people see it. I mean to uncover it. It's been revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be what? Known of God is manifest. When you manifest something, you reveal it. It's manifest in them, inside of them. And God has showed it unto them. And so his wrath is revealed from heaven. He can be known. His wrath is manifest. It's showed unto them. For the invisible things of him, the creation of the world, are what? Clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And so it says that God can be known, he can be seen, it's been revealed, it's been manifested, and mankind is without excuse. He knows, God is trying to reveal to him that the good doesn't exist. And when he tries to put it over here, God says, there's no excuse for this. No wait. No excuse. And secondly, when we talk about the good outweighing the bad, there's a fundamental... There's a fundamental flaw in thinking about fundamental flaw in uh, righting wrong. There's no good deed that can cancel the original crime. If someone murdered my father, how much work would he have to do to cancel that crime? Well, for me, he, he, he could serve me forever. 
not going to change the climate. No amount of good deeds will bring back the murder victim. No amount of good deeds will cancel the rape. At times, restitution can be given for some crimes, and I think that we need to have more restitution in our government laws, and God was fair in that. But still, uh, the original crime is still serious. It was wrong. The judge may say, uh, he may commend someone for turning over a new leaf after entering prison. He may commend him for, you know, apologizing to the person that he had done something to. But the judges, let's say that you stole someone's car and you wrecked it and the guy's remorseful about it. He writes to the owner of the car and says, I'm so sorry that I, that I, uh, wrecked your car after stealing it. And uh, when I get out, uh, I'm going to try to pay you off. And that's all good. But the law requires the judge to sentence him with what the law requires. And so we, we have this fundamental misunderstanding about, uh, about righting wrong, that there's a wage that must be paid, that, that somehow, somehow I can right the wrong. Go over to uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20 and verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon the throne whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so there's some books that God's keeping record. He, he's a... He's not keeping record for the balance beam, but he has on record what we've done. There's a very sobering verse in Luke where it says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, 
neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Uh, it's kind of like this. Uh, when, when I, where I grew up in Eastern Oregon, is a small town, 630 people. Depending on how many dogs are still alive, or the population increased or decreased. But uh, at the at the corner grocery store, uh, W.C. Freeman would allow people to put groceries on credit and they would come in and pay when they got their paycheck. And some people didn't pay. And so the bill builds up and up and up and up. And he, when they come in, he had a big heart. He was a Christian and attended the Baptist church there that my parents and I attended. And he would just say, uh, you know, you need to pay something on your bill here. Well, one day the person comes in and says, Mr. Freeman, I've turned over a new leaf. I've got some things paid for and I'm budgeting my money and I'm only going to spend so much money on things and from now on I'm going to pay cash and we're not going to have this problem with me running up a bill. I'm going to pay cash. And WC says, that's, really, that's good. WC, uh, that's in, <laughs> let me run a little rabbit tail. Uh, there was lots of people that from North Carolina that came to Eastern Oregon. Not lots of people, but a number of families. And uh, for some reason in this area of North Carolina, they didn't name their children a name, but his really real name was W.C. And there was another family that came, and their name was T.A. Tackett. And we asked him what his name was, and he said T.A. And no, no, what's your real name? My name's T.A. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I talk about W.C., it's not William something, but it was W.C. Freeman. And he, he, I don't know why I changed that rabbit, except, uh, <laughs> except it got your attention maybe here for a second. And he said, well, what about the bill back behind? You know, what about the bill you owe? Oh, we, we won't have to worry about that anymore. I've turned over a new leaf, and I'm going to pay cash. But we, but we have, we have a wage, we have a debt that needs to be paid. And so this idea, there's a fundamental flaw in how we write, in how we write the wrong. And uh, look over in uh, in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, 
Actually, that should be shocking. That God hears and God knows and God's keeping record. And every account is going to be squared. And so, he's not going to overlook sin. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and will by no means clear the guilty. And so, if we're not careful, we can fall off we can fall off the trail when it comes to evangelism. That we invite people, uh, let me give you an invitation to come to church. Well, there's some merit to that, but there's some, some dismerit to that. If they think, well, yeah, I'll do that because that'll help me to be even a better person. And we want to somehow get them to come to church, and we hope that that Sunday the preacher's not preaching to the congregation as the members, but he really hammers the lost people. Well, actually, the church is an assembly of believers. And they're to be fed and encouraged and built up so they will go out and tell the lost person, there's none good, no, not one. That you need to be born again. And you can attend church until the moon turns blue or whatever. Until, until all the ice melts in Alaska. Because, you know, there's global warming. And it is melting. So, so uh, constantly, we're going to have to struggle with this. And so, there's, there's, there's no, nothing to put on the balance beam. There's nothing he could do. There's no excuse. There's no good within him. But even, even if he could put some things on there that were of merit, that there's something that, that has merit, a, that's weighty, that that we give large donations to uh, the food bank or to people in poverty, and we uh, like the other day the food bank driver delivered the goods and delivered the food, and I was talking to him how much wages he got if it increased from when I worked there a little bit. He said, "Oh, but I I just consider this my my religious thing that I do to you know." This is what I do for the world, and, and I don't really have to have a big salary, but it's my, it's my contribution to helping people, and, and it's my religious goodness. Well, <laughs> uh, there's nothing good about it. That's going to merit things with the Lord. It's good food when the people get it, but there's no excuse. And so, and so uh, we know the answer, don't we? How can a holy God accept men without violating his justice? 
That's not true. And so uh, the answer is in Second Corinthians five twenty one. In 2 Corinthians 5.21. Okay, none good. There's a, a flaw in writing wrong. Man cannot. But here we have what is really glorious. If we can sink our teeth into it, if we can really understand the, the horrible, horrible, devastating, hopeless place that mankind is in, then uh, we ought to become Pentecostal when it comes to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he, that is God the Father, hath made him that is God the Son, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. To be sin for us, that God created, treated Jesus as if He were a sinner, that the wrath that we deserved He took. That he satisfied the judge's demands that sin was paid for. And God and gives to us his righteousness. And so when it comes to this balance beam here, when it comes to this balance beam here, actually sin has won the day. But if we repent of our sins and trust Jesus Christ, when we come to the place where we see that we're hopeless, that we're without excuse, that I can't merit with God, actually, it's not that it's not that this flips the script and uh, now now the good outweighs the bad that's not the deal because the bad's still there <laughs> But the deal is 
God wipes the slate clean and he gives us righteousness. And so what you need to understand is that when the Lord's keeping records, he was keeping records in the book. And all these all these sins are listed. And the Bible talks about how he blotted out the transgressions. That word doesn't mean that he came along and page after page he he highlighted it, you know, like an ink blotter, and he blotted them out. And there would be another page, another page, another page, and all these thousands of pages that he had on Gene Humphrey, they're blocked out. And so somebody comes and they and they look at they look at my record, and they say, and they say, oh man, page after page blotted out here. I don't. I can't see what he did, but there's a whole book full of stuff. And this guy over here only has this much, and somebody has this much, but Humphrey's got this much. He was a bad dude. That word blot doesn't mean that. It means that he wiped the slate clean And he buried it in the deepest sea. And he moved it as far as the east is from the west. That the balance beam idea goes out the window. Because the bad on the balance beam is still there. Our God doesn't deal in that way. When he imparts to us his righteousness, he gives to us exactly what Christ is. And one of these days, not only can we know that we're saved now, but one of these days we'll not struggle with sin forever and ever and ever. And so this morning the point is this, is that the good deeds do not outweigh the bad deeds because good deeds doesn't remove the bad deeds. Only Christ can do that. And so I have to come to a point in my life as a 13-year-old boy, this is what happened to me. I knew that I had sinned. I knew my sin was bad enough for me to go to hell. And I knew I couldn't change that. I knew I had no amount of good within me that would make me right. And I felt that day as God's spirit has drawn me, I felt that day, if, if I would have died that day, I'd have gone straight to hell because I deserved to go straight to hell. And I stepped into the aisle. I didn't get saved when I went up front and, and prayed, but, but when I made a step into the aisle to go up and tell the pastor what was happening in my life, I was saved. I knew I was saved, and I knew I wasn't condemned. And um, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
And so why do we need to deal with this kind of an issue here this morning? Because it's a, it's a lie that probably at least 85% of the people in America believe that my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds. You know, I don't cuss and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. I'm a good person. But I'm not a good person. And I can't change that. But God can. You understand, uh, we have... We have a tremendous message, a life-changing message. We don't want to just make a person a good person. We want to make him a new creature. Because you can't, <laughs> you can't build anything with trash. Go over, there, go over there to the dump and get all the trash you want and see what you're going to make out of it. I mean, you might be able to put together some stuff because I dumpster dive a lot and get some good stuff back. But I'm talking about garbage that are just wrappers and rotten fish and rotten cabbage. Here, have, have, have my fish heads here. They've only been out there stinking for two weeks and have my cabbage and it's uh, starting to rot and and you go take that and make a good meal out of it. You go take that and build something out of it. It's impossible. And it's impossible for you to build your life to be acceptable with God. You guys know all this. But I'm telling you that if we're not careful, you know, this idea of inviting people to church, which we ought to, and we're hopeful that they'll come and hear the gospel. But the bottom line is, that there's none good, no, not one. And the bottom line is, people need to be saved. And so, maybe when we approach evangelism, we ought to ask a person, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Are you a new creature? How did you become a new creature? What has changed about you? Well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this. No, listen. There's only one that can create. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Only God can create a new heart. What has happened? And then uh, explain to them sin and explain to them the answer. I, I'm, afraid that, um, I'm afraid that we don't really understand how deep False evangelism has entered into the ranks of Baptists. You know, the Bible says that in the end, there'll be many departing from the faith. Catholics have nothing to depart from. Jehovah's Witnesses have nothing to depart from. It's the Baptists that are departing from it. And we need to get back to square one. Okay? Um, 